Well, 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 well. <laughs> week 14 was a shit show. Only one good thing happened this whole weekend, and I feel absolutely great about it. So that I will say. Oh, yeah. So just to start, um, I mean, I'm, I'm honored at the <laughs> ability to make a great pick for the first time that I have in a while on that great of Three a Three great picks. But that, yeah, just the fact that it, it parlayed all together and went so well. Yep. So my uh, over 51.5, Lions minus 2.5, and, and J-Mo in the goddamn end zone hit. Yep. So let me just walk you guys through how this, this all went down. We got the kids down. <laughs> sit down and watch the game. I got my can of Mountain Dew on the table. I'm eating. When J-Mo is totally wide open. I mean, he there's no one within like 100 feet of him, I think, when he caught that touchdown pass. I pop up off the couch so vigorously that I knock <laughs> my Mountain Dew can like six feet away from me onto the ground. And uh, it was a massive cleanup, but I, it was one of the happiest cleanups. One of the happiest cleanups of my life. So that was a twenty dollar bet that I got over two hundred dollars on. That's beautiful. Because just in case, because I didn't totally trust myself. Not only did I do the three leg parlay, I just bet an individual JMO five dollars get in the end zone, and that was I think it was plus four thirty. So it was like five dollars for like twenty. Solid. So overall, I mean that alone was absolutely phenomenal. Everything else went absolutely horrible for me this weekend, fantasy wise. I mean, as long as you got something. Yes, but that was that was more than enough. I mean, I I peaked at that point, and my my JMO. Garb is on the way. Garb. Garb is on the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very rare that you need the Lions to win you a bet, and they actually do it. Especially to that extent. But I think I we're finally seeing that these are not the regular Lions that we're Don't used to. Don't say that. Don't say that. But that's, that's the moment <laughs> where we see that they are the right. So I will say I think they lose to the Jets this weekend. Uh, they're on the road, Mike, right? Yeah, especially if Mike White's playing. I feel like they win no matter who's playing. I guess we'll just. see. But I feel like that game's just the high-low the high theory is what got me. Yeah. So Lions coming in just off this emotional high, just beat the Vikings. They're back in the playoff race. They're on all the graphics. And then the Jets are just can't get any lower than they are right now. The Patriots beat them on a punt return. And then the Bills, they just couldn't even really hang with. It was a horrible game. They kind of stuck right. around, but it just wasn't there. So it's it's a classic, perfectly fitted Lions letdown, and it, not just Lions, but generally like Hilo theory. I think it fits perfectly this week. So I think I, that and Lions have won five of their last six, and their next right. three games are super winnable. And I th- think they take all three of those, which would be Carolina and Carolina, Chicago and Detroit, and in Green Bay the final week of the season. So I think they take all three of those, but I think they lose this week to the Jets. If they win this week to the Jets, I would borderline guarantee. Lions making the playoffs. And my earlier pick, which looked insane like two weeks ago that I picked four weeks ago, saying Seattle's going to miss the playoffs, looks very possible right now. Very possible. And that that was a nice bet. I mean, I bet like 25 on that one, and that was like plus 400 that they were going to make the playoffs. So I went 400 on them missing. So I'm good on that. I'm going to go the opposite way. Being a Jets believer, I think that the Jets have cracked I think their defense is correct. I think both New York teams have, so I don't yes. totally disagree. Giant, uh, Giants even more but so. But the Jets but also look decent against the Bills. They didn't look totally – they didn't fall apart totally, So I'm trying to say. They're, no, it's not like they're a bad team now, but they can't hang with the big high-powered offenses. Yes, yeah, and I'm not – I wouldn't expect them to. And now are we arguing the Lions are officially a high-powered offense? I think they're a high-powered offense. I'd say we've yet to consistently see it on the road. 
I think at home with Ford Field behind them, they've looked amazing. But on the road, they haven't quite been there. They've been able to put up, put up points, but weird stuff's happened to get the points in. They haven't been able to pass the ball like they have at home for whatever reason. There hasn't been the wide-open DJ Charks and Jamison Williams and Panay Sewell on a flat route in the court. They just look so confident and so good at home, which isn't great because even if they get in the playoffs, the, they're probably losing in the first round because God only knows who they're going to line up with. I mean, it's a fair point, too, that a lot of their performances, they look like a really good offense. They've come against pretty bad defenses. Yes, or average no, Minnesota defenses. is probably the worst defense to be 10-2 and two ever. Yeah. There's no way you'll find another one. That's like, true. So that it's shocking that they are where they are. And Minnesota's had a lot of stuff go right, and I think we're seeing what Minnesota is, which is a very strong offense with little to no defense. And they're down a couple offensive linemen, and they're down their best secondary player. Minnesota's fluky to me. 100%. No, Minnesota, they're probably losing the first round of the playoffs, or if they win the first round, they're losing in the second. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, they're not going to get the bye. They're going to play against the team. Like I think even if, even against like the Commanders or the Lions, like that's who they'd line yeah, up. Yeah, they could lose on Commanders, any given Lions, night. Seahawks, all three of those. I can see them losing too. It's like a difference when you talk about the Chiefs and Bills, and it's like, even like I guess the Ravens, if Lamar is healthy, it's like they could beat any team any given night. The Vikings, it's like they could lose to anybody. The saving grace for the they're Vikings bad. is they're going to play the worst rated team getting into the playoffs because the Vikings are going to have the second best seed. Number one is going to be Philly, and number two is going to be the Vikings. And that's going to line up to be either Seattle, Washington, the Giants, or the Lions. Which I could easily see them losing to any of those. Any of those four, yes. But they should also, that should be the easiest game that any playoff opponent has. Because on the other side, the number two team in the AFC might be playing like the Chargers. So, I mean, Minnesota should have the easiest opponent, which doesn't mean much. They might win one game. They're losing the second one, in my opinion. If they go against any of the... I guess cream de la creme topper teams in the NFC, they're losing to all of them, in my opinion. They'd lose to the Eagles. They'd lose to the, the Cowboys. What about that Bills game, though? Yeah, that's that? another thing is Minnesota has somehow managed to squeak games out. But I think there's a Delvin Cook question that a lot of people aren't asking where he doesn't look like he is like the focal point of that offense. Yeah. And I think for that reason, they're going to lose in playoffs coming around. If Kirk Cousins is the guy of their offense, they're going to lose. For sure. They only go as far as he takes them. Yeah. And Always. Then Justin Jefferson is the best receiver in the NFL, probably. It's hard to argue that there's anyone better. I mean, you might be able to say, like, Jamar Chase, but at the same time, like, a Jamar Chase is playing with someone like Burrow. Meanwhile, Jefferson's doing it with Cousins. So, I mean. I think that's a big thing. I would rather have my guy like my focal point of the offense if i'd have it be my running back over my wide receiver because someone still has to get him the ball yes Whereas unless your quarterback's back, your focal point yeah yeah if you like have an a, elite quarterback like a pat mahomes or like a joe burrow right like i'd argue joe burrow is the focal point of cincinnati even for though sure. they have a mix in and a chase yeah for it's sure. joe burrow's show Whereas here, Kirk Cousins shouldn't be the focal point. But he kind if of is. He is. Yeah. He kind of is. Realistically, trouble. he kind of is. I don't as of right now, yeah, he is. And he's he's done a good job. But as soon as the bright lights turn on, as soon as the playoffs come around, I think we're going to see who Kirk Cousins is. Yep. So it usually happens. But yeah, all in all, I think what's going on for Detroit is very interesting. And I don't disagree with your New York Jets point that they're on the downturn and they look like they finally. I think everyone agrees that the Jets have overachieved so far. Yeah. And they've had some unlucky breaks over the last like week or two. And now I think is where it all starts to crumble, especially after losing like Brees Hall and yeah, it just is what it is. To me, they're like a they held off longer than the Packers did at collapsing because that Packers defense is not terrible either. But the fact that the offense can't give them a break for yeah, that's a long enough amount of time for them to actually be well rested. Like I think what it's you're trying to say on. is Jets offense, Packers offense, you take Bad the Packers offenses. offense maybe. 
I'm, uh, I'm, in that scenario, I think I'm taking Packers offense. I think Aaron Rodgers is that much better, and the backs in Green Bay are that much better. I just more so mean it in the fact that both of those get defenses either one can't do fell enough. apart. Yes, yes. I like, get as the saying. season went by, the Jets just kind of lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, but the Jets, I think, have so much talent on defense that it's not surprising. Right. But I agree that asking them to allow less than 10, 15 points a game is absolutely asinine in oh, yeah. today's NFL. That's just not a very good offense overall. So not at all. I, But uh, we had two major, I guess – talking points where we bumped but it has a little bit last episode we went with uh tj hawkinson versus justin jefferson who's going to be higher position ranked justin jefferson had the game of his life second yeah half. he did but one thing we didn't talk about is jeff okuda was sick all week mm. and he looked like he was not ready for the game speed on sunday and as soon as okuda set out the second half justin jefferson went off and that game just opened up so I think that was a huge part of it because Justin Jefferson didn't get the touchdown. He just had an absurd amount of volume. Yeah. And in garbage time, Justin Jefferson feasted. So I think overall, I think they were much closer than it came out to, but Jefferson was the number one receiver, tied for number one with, of all people, Jerry Judy. And um, Call me crazy, though, What's but up? how do you – I don't get that. How do you come out and you play the first half and then you don't feel good enough to go the second half? He didn't half? look good in the first half either, though. There was He was in and out. But why play? I think it was just more of like a mental thing, like just to throw the Minnesota Vikings off because of how good of a job he yeah. did against Jefferson. But Lions did some weird stuff on defense, I will say. Even when the announcers are pointing up, like pointing out like weird things about your scheme, that's when you start to ask questions. Like at one point, the announcers were saying, why not go double safety when Justin Jefferson was just eating, eating them up. He was catching balls that were like 30, 40 yards downfield. And he had that touchdown that got called back that should not have been called back where his heel was actually above the line and it looked like he stepped out, but he did not. His foot was kind of high up. So Justin Jefferson could have had an even better game. And I think Hawkinson could have had a better game. They gave him a lot of balls, and out of nowhere, they just, like, went away. Like, yeah. they didn't really – I think on one drive, he had, like, three or four catches in a row. Like, to start the game, he had back-to-back catches. He had two catches for, like, 30 yards to start the game. And then to end with only, like, six or seven is kind of shocking. Yeah, I think they got a, did a good job of limiting – just enough like they let jefferson eat them sure over the top and whatnot but they they clamped up when they needed by minnesota deciding to do a jump pass by dalvin cook that he never even decided to pass it that was they borderline lost the game right there i don't get that at all i don't get that it was weird but i guess it is what it is um another talking point coming off that game we had the dpj versus jameson williams conversation Yes. J-Mo did what I needed him to do. He got me my touchdown, 40 yards. He scored about 10.6, I think I looked at yeah. half PPR. DPJ had a game and a half. He so did. everything you've been well. saying about him looks good. You've been Against all- a bad Ravens secondary. Agreed, right? but you've been all over the DPJ train, and I've been like the first guy that's been pulling the train back to the station saying, you guys are crazy. <laughs> this guy's not going to do what everyone's expecting him to do. But yeah. DPJ looks really good, and Deshaun Watson doesn't, but he's airing the ball out enough to do some things. Yeah, just enough. By the way, the inconsistency of Deshaun Watson has been absolutely insane. He'll make one throw where he's half-wrapped, and he'll like air it out, cross-body, and hit DPJ or Amari Cooper or Joku, and it's like this perfect pass. And then the next play, he has all the time in the world and throws a pick that looks absolutely horrible. Yep. So he just looks weird. Like, did you see that play where they put Brissett in? Wasn't it just like the kneel or something? What did he like? No, they put Brissett in on like a, a third down play. He okay. throws a deep shot, wide open, people's Jones, like back of the end zone, beat his man and everything, overthrows him completely and misses the pass. 
Wow. And they said, they're like, oh, it's Brissette's uh, 30th birthday today. They had to let him try. No, I think part of the reason on. had to be the last time they threw Brissette in was like for a QB sneak. So I'm sure it was probably like a short throw yardage thing. Yeah, just to throw yeah, the I think it was a short 30 yard. Yeah, yeah, it was to down. bring the safety up and then just bomb it over the top. So, I mean, I guess that makes some sense in the play call aspect, but I'm still waiting to see more from Watson. He has basically been out for two years, so I still yeah. think we need to give him some time, but he looks like he has some chemistry with DPJ. I'm very interested going into next year if they don't add another receiver. DPJ could be a sneaky late-round pick, especially how these next next couple of weeks go. No, I like him. He's got everything you want. Yeah, I mean, Speedster, wide receiver, good hands. He's not dropping If you have him balls. in Dynasty Leagues, you're holding on to this guy for dear life right For now. sure. So If you have him in a league, God, if you actually count return yards, then that's your guy. Yeah, that's no, your yeah guy. he does his thing. Like, I agree he with you. Is. He's um, the guy going forward. So next thing, this is something we were talking about pre-show. Uh, we were talking about uh, Fantasy Pros has what they call the panic meter. And it goes over a couple of... I guess players and where they're at on if they're panicked on the player specifically. So one of the guys who mean you talked about pre-show was Nick Chubb. So Nick Chubb failed to get 10 PPR points for the third time in the last four games. Uh, they have his panic meter at a one, which is panic is just setting in, so they're not okay. worried about it that yet. How panicked are you as a Nick Chubb owner right now? I think as long as, I mean, what are we going off? Like a 1 to 10 This scale? is a 1 to 4, but one just generally, four. I guess. You don't have to actually scale it. Like, okay. what, what would you say? Just how worried are you being a Nick Chubb owner? Are you thinking about benching him? Are you at the point where you probably can't bench Nick Chubb like most people really can't? Or are um, you just kind of taking it with the matchup and not expecting much? Like, I, I equate it to, I guess this is how I'll compare it, which sounds bad. To me, right now, Chubb is getting into, like, Pierce territory, where... He gets a bunch of touches, so he's a good flex or maybe an RB2. If it, the matchup is right, then you're definitely starting him. But you start to worry about if you want Chubb to have one of his signature games because it looks like he might not have it is the way it's the way it's been lately, especially ever since Deshaun Watson's gotten back. So yeah, I'd, I'd equate him to like a nice volume player who don't expect him to have like a an amazing game at the moment. I would say as long as Watson's the quarterback, I'm definitely worried. I'm very worried going forward. Mm-hmm. You are obviously never benching Nick Chubb. No, exactly. Yeah, There's no way to plausibly do that. But, um, yeah, he's becoming, like you said, more matchup dependent in a way. Like, I feel like you can name 10 guys who you might be more comfortable starting than Chubb right now. That's what I'm trying to say. And before that, would be crazy to even Yeah, fathom. that's true. He's been very consistent all year, and this is the first time we're seeing him not be consistent. So, I mean, I don't get how you can't panic at this point. How yeah. do you not panic? So, second, this one's not even on the panic meter. This is just for me. Uh, I guess being in Detroit, the Lions running backs. Are you starting any of those? Justin um, Jackson is coming in for 15-yard scampers into the end zone. Yeah. They're splitting carries between three, four guys. They're getting their wide receivers involved. Great high-powered offense, a high-octane offense, but there isn't a guy I trust. And if I am starting a guy, it's probably Jamal Williams, right? Yeah, I'd probably pick Williams over any, you know, the other two, Swift and Jackson. But I, if you have one, I would start them. I'd start them. I mean, if you're starting Justin Jackson, I you're probably yeah, in a deep league No, anyway. no, I, I'm probably not starting Justin yeah, Jackson Yeah, you're in like generally. a 14-, yeah. 16-team league. But, yeah, if you have Swift or Williams, if you have the luxury to I bench don't know them, if I'm sure. Starting but Swift. I, I got to look. I don't know. I'm who would you put in over him? Like, think about a team realistically where you wasted a draft pick on Swift right, and who you have left. Let me just—I'll open up one of my ESPN leagues and I'll look at who has Swift and I'll tell you who had who he who else he has other than Swift and then we'll see if you could possibly bench Swift compared to some of these guys. 
I just think the upside's there. I mean, yeah, it's a relatively low floor from what we've seen, but sometimes you just got to risk it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. So here's the guy. This guy that has Swift, this is his team. Uh, Delvin Cook, Xavion Knight, and he actually benched Swift this week, so a good example. But this, it's also PPR. Okay. Delvin Cook, Xavion Knight, or Zonovan Knight, however I've got to hear him say his name. Uh, Chris Godwin, Omari Cooper, and Pickens is who he started. And he benched Swift. He also benched Zeke Elliott and J.K. Dobbins. Well, so, that guy's got a luxury of running backs. He doesn't, doesn't, I mean. I mean, yeah. he does at this point in the season. Yes, he does. Well, in my Zonovan mind, Knight being like my a mind, starter. Next week, I'm probably starting Elliott over Swift. Elliott's had yeah, Elliot, been forced that he gets forward. good volume. J.K. Dobbins and Swift are almost interchangeable to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think I might go Dobbins over Swift right now just because of how much the Lions are splitting carries. Yep. And then Delvin Cook, I'm almost guaranteeing I'm starting him in front of Swift. And then Knight, you can argue you're starting in front of Swift as well. That's what I'm trying to say. I think Swift I, is getting to the point where Swift isn't a guaranteed start on a lot of teams. I guess I'm not panicking because I never had the expectation that he would be. But for a lot he of people, was a I first drafted round, him. This guy was like a first-round pick in That's the leagues. thing. I'm talking just from like personally, I he is what I thought he uh, would be. I'm with you. No, I think he's worse than most people. You really thought he was going to be like this fringe flex player? Uh, I thought of. he was a solid RB too. I always had a feeling like he wouldn't get that many carries with Williams there. That's interesting. I not even I never the guy got who's that kind feeling. of fragile. Well, knowing. I got the feeling that they were going to involve both Williams and Swift, but I always had the feeling that that O line was that good, and Jared Goff was that bad, and they were going to run the ball a lot. So both of them were going to have at least decent games. I thought Swift would be like RB one, RB two territory, and Williams would be like a flex, especially on bye weeks. That once in a while you could sneak in, especially when Swift is out. Yeah. So that's the vibe I got. That's why I was not picking Swift in any of my leagues because there was no way I was going to reach up as high as like seven or eight for him. That's exactly what I thought. And yeah. I, had, I thought he had no business being that high. Of a yeah, pick. no, he was way too. He was going and like he was going as like the sixth or seventh overall running back, which to me was insane. I would have put him like third round. That's where I would have grabbed him, but he was not going to fall that far. No, anymore. yeah, for I, sure. I might have grabbed him end of second if I had it, but I, I'm sure. If I go back in time and I lined up and Swift was there, I'd probably take somebody else. For sure, yeah. So there's that portion of it. Uh, so next on this panic meter, uh, Jalen Waddle. Three catches for 40 yards, seven PPR points. Uh, that was the sum of his last two games. In his last yeah. four games, he finished wide receiver 38, wide receiver 31, wide receiver 99, wide receiver 63. I call this, and don't panic. Be grateful that he was doing what he was at the start of the year. Because Tua, I don't think, is that good to keep up both wide receivers. And Tyreek Hill is the undisputed wide receiver number one. So if you're panicking on Jalen Waddle, you should be grateful he even did what he has up to this point. Because it's not to be expected So here's an interesting forward. thing that I'd say happened this year and hasn't happened to this extent other years. There's so many guys who were consistently good for no reason for so long. Yes. And I think Jalen Waddle is one of those guys. Absolutely. I like Waddle. I think Waddle's, I guess, a good example of what I'd equate Waddle to would be your boy Kyle Fuller from the Texans when Deshaun Watson was there. I think he's a guy who is like the definition of boomer bust. Will Fuller? What did I say? Kyle, Kyle Fuller? Fuller. <laughs> cornerback. Corner. Yeah. Will, Will Fuller, Fuller. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so he's the, like the definition of a boomer bust type player. And then I agree with you. If you're expecting Jalen Waddle to be your wide receiver one, wide receiver two, uh, you have probably made it farther than you deserve. Yes. And I think one thing that's interesting is I think there's going to be so many teams this year in so many leagues where some of the best teams in the league might not even be in the playoffs. Yeah. 
That's true. I think so, just in my extent, in one of my leagues where I missed the playoffs, I would argue I have one of the better, if not, I don't want to say I have the best team. Obviously, I missed the playoffs, so I can't say I have the best team. But, but on paper, just Yeah, on paper, I'm definitely higher than top six. And the worst part is even like my top, even like points four, I'm not there. Let alone, like, I mean, I have in that league, I got C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson, for example. I mean, I had Jacobs in that league. Like, I had, I had guys who should have won me leagues that I just did not win with. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But it was just a very weird year. It is overall. It's just. And I think there is a lot of equivalencies to someone like a Jalen Waddle or yep. someone like a Zeke Elliott who was just not good all year and all of a sudden he turned it up at the end. So someone's going to have someone like a Devontae Adams and a Zeke Elliott and they're going to miss the playoffs. Yep. And they actually drafted decent. They grabbed guys who they should have. Yeah, they lost like those first three games because of Zeke not showing up possibly. Yeah, now totally. it's over. Like Dude, I went three I went, games out. The league that I'm referring to, I went 0 7 in that league. I ended the season 6 and 8. So I went 6 and 1 rest of the way, and I'm going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. And my team is not a 6 and 8 team. My team is probably like a 10 and 4 team. But it just was what it was, and that's just how fantasy is. That's the beauty and the curse that is fantasy football. Though I have noticed over recent years that it's become a lot closer in the standings. I feel like you always usually had. Definitely not making the playoffs. And then you had the top dogs. Yeah, no and there idea. was a few, like a couple battling to make it in. And now it's like everyone's battling yes. to make it in. So the that playoffs. same league that I'm talking about that I was just referring to, it's a 12 team league. Right now, for our sixth spot tonight, we're going to find out who gets in in that sixth spot. Right. It is between five different teams. Right. That's and insane. technically, any of the five could have got in with a good enough performance last week. Right, right. now, it's just between two because we see the points scored and we see everything else going into the Monday night game tonight. But it's absolutely insane. Like the 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 extent of the, like someone a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Every Jonathan Taylor owner on earth right now is just outside the playoffs, looking in, trying to scramble his way into the playoffs. Nope. Because Jonathan Taylor got it together, had that one good game, turned off all season, and got it together right at the end. So players like that are, are obviously drastically hurting teams. And other guys, guys who had like a Bryce Hall or guys who had Kamara for that stretch. Yep. So many guys had this on stretch and have been either on or off. There, there's been so many like Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams games that are like, if you're an owner of one of them, you lost this week because he's your number one player and he only scored four. Yes. So there's been so many of those games that I feel like it's not necessarily as extreme in past years as it has been this year. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I, I don't think I'm in a single league where someone has 10 wins. I think every single one of my leagues, the highest seed has nine, maybe a couple of them, they have a tenth win, which is crazy because I've I've been in leagues where I went twelve and two or like eleven and three. Yeah, I had in my work league a couple years ago, I went thirteen and one. Like there's times where there's dominant teams, not just for me specifically, but I've played in leagues where it's like, wow, this guy's team is good. Yep. And this year it's just like, this week that guy's team looks really good, and next week it's like, ah, okay, yeah, Debo's actually garbage. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Swift is back, but who cares? He's not that good. Like, oh, Delvin Cook, yeah, but he's splitting carries with Madison. So it's like, to some extent, it's getting so much harder to predict, which is partly making it more interesting, but partly making it a lot more difficult. <laughs> and I'd argue almost less interesting, but I guess that's I the beauty of fantasy football. a little bit less interesting, to be honest. Well, the, the guys who we used to be able to snag before aren't there to that extent anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, before it was like, oh, you grab this guy, and he turns it on, and he's the RB1 the rest of the season, and you're all set. To where that doesn't necessarily happen. Like the Spencer Ware a couple of years ago. When's the next time we're going to get something Spencer like that? Spencer Ware, yeah. C.J. Anderson back in the day. Yeah, the, those types of guys where we just haven't had something to that extent. Like I guess you could argue Pierce and maybe like a Brees Hall was supposed to be that this year. Yeah. But I think the 
RBBCs have also ruined it. There's so many of those running back by committees, and so many teams are going away from having like that one wide out, and they're scheming week to week where Devontae Adams might get 50 catches, but next week he might be a little bit more of a distraction because the team might pick out Devontae Adams to shut down. Are we just seeing like a an NBA load management type thing with these players in the you NFL? You think so? Is that kind of what's happening? I don't think like, I, sure, he's playing, but then you see, like, for example, that game against the Rams. I know the Raiders have to win that game, mm-hmm. but, like, how can you realistically throw to Devontae Adams three times in that game? I don't get it. I don't I think it depends understand. on – I think a lot of it depends on scheme, and I think a lot of coaches do a better job of scheming than others do. I think there's a lot of – this is going to sound crazy coming from just, like, me and you because it's not like me and you are actual NFL coaches, but I think there's a lot of people who are in over their heads in the NFL. That oh, wasn't yeah. necessarily to that ex- extent in the past. Like before, it was like, I think there's a lot of people who think, and a lot of this is analytics, to be honest. There's a lot of people who analytically have figured things out and who might scheme analytic-based. And sometimes that's not the best thing to do. Sometimes you just got to get the ball to your best players. Yeah, That's where I compare someone like a Ben Johnson, not saying that he's like the bee's knees in Detroit over here. And if, I think if he left, it wouldn't necessarily be this like detrimental thing. But... Amon Ra St. Brown gets the ball. Yep. No matter what, we figure out a way. When he's healthy, he gets the ball. He was limping out there. He was injured weeks ago, and he was out there, and he was still getting catches. Like they said, all right, this is one of our best players. He's going to get the ball. Yep. That's what we used to see. I remember Devontae Adams in Green Bay. Every week you expected 10 targets. Always. And we don't necessarily see that as much. But I guess Jalen Waddell is a good example of someone who was just super hot and maybe isn't. So we kind of got into the Tua part, so I'm not even going to read off Tua. Uh, the next one is Travis Etienne. They have him at a two on the panic meter. Um, how do you feel about Etienne? Mm, I'm not panicking as long as the Jaguars are playing good football, which they are. Um, I think he, he had 17 carries for 32 yards, so less than two yards a carry, and absolutely no targets. Very good run defense, though. Yes. Titans are, I think, the best run defense in the league. Oh, they're up there for sure, yes. So that one I'm not But he also hasn't about. had an 11-point game in a month. Yeah, he got hurt. Yeah, no, no, I, I know there's more to it. I'm just saying. They have I guess that's it. like, I'm not that panicking, panicked about it. the problem, it's it's another example of what you just said. Etienne's another running back who, was, who used to be looked at as like a flex type player. And now there's people who grabbed Etienne like he was a RB1 or RB2 and he just isn't. Right. He's like a sneaky RB2. But yeah, he's he not was always like a guy where like you're very fortunate you grabbed him where you did he ended up being as good as he is but like deal with if he's not that good he he probably just isn't that good yeah like you, there might be weeks coming forward where you might have a justifiable cause to bench at him yeah bad matchup and yeah. i benched him this week and obviously you I benched here. him for zano and knight who had a better game and not regretting it no no forward. i agree yeah no I, I think a lot of it I think a lot of the nfl is getting very matchup based and very analytic i think yeah. a lot of analytics in sports is what we're seeing it's not necessarily ruining sports, but it's definitely changing them. Like we see sports like baseball where it borderline ruined them. And then we see sports like basketball where you can argue it made them better depending on how you feel about right. the sport specifically. Me and you are on a different side of basketball, but that's a totally whole different, different topic. <laughs> whole different topic. Uh, so what else happened week 14 that you want to talk about before this Monday night game tonight? Um, I thought it was interesting that the Cowboys had a very close and competitive game against the Texans. I thought that was... Strange. I don't think a lot of people expected that with their defense and how they've been playing. It seemed like everything about that screamed like the Cowboys didn't take it seriously enough. Yeah, I think The pregame so. stuff I was reading was all about other receivers they're looking at and how James Washington was going to get a 
share of the snaps at wide receiver and i feel like they were trying different things yeah because at the end it seemed like the cowboys were like all right we're gonna score and they were like oh crap it's kind of late we might not be able to and they still managed to get a score the main thing from that cowboys game that i didn't like was another pierce fumble pierce is looking good and i, I liked pierce a lot and i think pierce is a nice volume play and in a total garbage team having a yeah. good running back is difficult so him scoring the way he's been is is kind of another equivalency to Etienne and Waddle, like we talked about. I think so. Pierce, a couple weeks ago, I benched. This week I started, he got me the 11 that I hoped he'd get at least that, and that's what I planned for, and that's how it worked out. I ended up losing my matchup anyway, but it wasn't Pierce-based. It was because Pierce isn't – he's not Zeke Elliott three years ago. It just is what it is. He's a guy who's going to get a lot of volume. You hope he breaks a big run. When he doesn't, he probably ends with 20 carries for 100 yards, and that's it. But – that is what it is. But, yeah, that, that Cowboys game was weird. I don't, I don't disagree with you. It was strange. And I feel like they're a team that's – the Cowboys are panicking in the sense that they don't know how to act that they're in the spot that they're in. They just signed T.Y. Hilton. I think They nobody, don't know how to feel about where they're at. Well, nobody – I don't think anybody does. Like, the Cowboys are that ugly – like I said, I my equivalency to what the Cowboys are right now is what Cincinnati was last year. Where yeah. they're like, eh, and they're kind of scrambling together, and they might, they're going to pop in somewhere in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, if they string a win or two, the Cowboys are a very strong team, and they yeah. aren't a team that's easily beatable. Their secondary isn't amazing, but their defense overall is good. Their passing game is solid, even though I don't think Dak Prescott's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. They have the receivers to do damage, and they have two amazing running backs, and they have they, they do a pretty good job play calling. So overall, I. I think the Cowboys are an ugly team, and I think there's a couple of those teams. Yeah. The Cowboys tend to beat themselves more than other teams beat them, I feel like, too. Another thing I will say, so now this could be totally wrong, is I think as of today, I'm taking both Cincy and the the Chiefs over the Bills. The Bills are officially my third best team in the AFC. Why is that? Uh, I think Cincy has shown a side of them that we haven't seen where they look very complete. That's true. Like, the defense, like, they, they don't have any, like, glaring weakness. Like, oh, they're really bad at this. Right. They have good running backs. They have good receivers. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They have a defense that's shown an ability to keep teams down when they have to. They have what you could argue is maybe the second-best kicker in the NFL. They have, they've been really good on special teams generally this season. So I think overall, Cincinnati looks like a team where maybe they weren't good at early on in the year as they were just figuring it out. And they it's kind of like Chiefs style, where Chiefs in the past kind of, they don't come out guns a-blazing, but we right. know the Chiefs are the Chiefs. And that's what, I was one of the first people early on who said Cincinnati is showing that they didn't belong last year. And now I'm one of the first people who will say he was wrong about that. And I think Cincinnati is one of those teams that as the years go on, they got a chance to be like the Chiefs type team where they're good every year, especially as long as Joe Burrow's there. So to yeah. me, I think they're proving that, and I think the Bills are proving what they've proved before, where they're this great regular season team that looks really good, and they're going to manage to screw it up when the playoffs come around. So to me, like I said, the top two teams in the AFC right now are the Chiefs and the Bengals. To me, not saying that's what everybody should think, but that's where I'm at. No, I get the, the logic for sure. I think Cincinnati is definitely really well coached. Don't see a lot of mistakes from them. When Burrow's on, the whole team's on. They're yeah, nearly totally. impossible to beat. Yep. I would probably go Bengals and Bills and leave out the Chiefs. Interesting. I think that the Chiefs are showing over recent weeks that they need a little bit more firepower in that offense. And I think if the other team is planning for Kelsey, where do you go with the ball? I Juju think Smith-Schuster, he's be, not a number one wide receiver. I could be totally wrong. But I think the, the Chiefs know exactly what they're doing in this. And I think that they're kind of pulling punches a little bit as the season goes on. 
I think they have something like a Kadarius Tony loaded in their back pocket, and he's going to be like a Damian Williams type playoff run where he's going to be really good in the playoffs. Where if you yeah. want to totally plan around Kelsey, that's fine. We'll get Juju 10 carries, or 10 carries, 10 catches, or 10 targets, and we'll give Tony five or 10 targets, and maybe Scantling will get some, and Pacheco, or Pacheco, whatever, was looking a lot better. And McKinnon, we saw he's getting catches. So, I mean, I think Kansas City has the ability, but they're pulling punches as the season goes on. And I could be totally wrong, and that could bite me in the ass when a playoffs roll around. But I think overall, Kansas City will show that they are one of the better teams. Not saying they'll make the Super Bowl for sure, but I'm sticking to my Super Bowl pick right now. I'm saying it's going to be Dallas and KC. It's an interesting one. I still think, for whatever reason, if Dallas and Philly run into each other, that Philly would take them. I think I need to see Hurts do it in the playoffs. That's fair. So until Hurts does it in the playoffs, what he's doing so far means nothing to me. Has Dak ever done in the playoffs? He hasn't been the reason why his team lost, and they have a nice enough structure around Dak to where they insulate him well. Who do you think is better out of the two, Hurts or Dak? Again, I have to see where, as of right now, if I had to choose, I'd probably go Dak, even though I don't no like Dak. No way. Overall, talent-wise, Hurts is a better quarterback. Okay, I mean, yeah, talent-wise. Yeah. But if I had to pick one right now, because I, I guess I'm not as worried that Dak's going to make a mistake, and I'm not sure Hurts won't. Because I got to see like Hurts. Dak makes more mistakes than Hurts, though. He does, but I, I don't. Do you remember a single playoff game where you're like, wow, Dak was so bad, that's why they lost? So who did they lose to last year? Was that the Packers? They got bounced by? I'd have to look through it. But generally, Hurts, I mean, for right now, I'm going to do kind of like a Lamar Jackson type thing where, yeah, he's great in the regular season, but let's see what he does in the playoffs because we still haven't seen Hurts do it in the playoffs. I think that's exactly what we're going to see this year is a mistake by Dak and the Cowboys off. I don't know. Mike McCarthy and Dak together are I hate a everything about disaster. Mike McCarthy. So it's before we continue about disaster. that, I definitely. So here's Dak in the playoffs. Uh, 2016. Uh, played one game, started one game. He had a 64% completion percentage, 302 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. And he rushed uh, twice for 15 yards, didn't lose any fumbles. So that's overall a good game. Quarterback rating of 103. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 2018, he went 1-1, one and one, started two games, 64% pass percentage. Uh, he had 500 yards in two games, so about 250 a game. Uh, two touchdowns in two games. So that part wasn't great, obviously. But he did rush for two touchdowns in those two games as well. Only threw one pick, a uh, quarterback rating of 91.3. So in those two playoff games, he was really good. So one interesting thing is, I guess to go off what you said, last year they lost in the playoffs. He had a 53% pass percentage, threw one touchdown, one pick. He rushed uh, four times for 27 yards in that yeah. one game, and he did fumble, but he didn't lose the fumble. Is that the Packers? Or uh, that play? I'll check right now. But he also got sacked five times, where the first two game, first two playoff runs in three games, he got sacked four times. So that is kind of interesting. But last year, the I'll tell you right now who they played. Uh, do, 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 do. For some reason, I'm not remembering that game like vividly. Me neither. I don't know why I'm like leaning. Kind of maybe it was the Packers, but could have I don't been. I think the, pa- did the Packers team. even win a game last year. Uh, oh like no, actually, they might have been that first uh, bye. Could it have been the oh San Francisco? And they only lost okay. twenty-three to seventeen, but they were down twenty-three to seven, and the Cowboys scored ten points in the fourth quarter to get back into it. That was a good defense, though. I guess I'll cut them some slack on that. 
Yeah, so generally, like I said, I don't think Dak is this elite quarterback. I think he's the opposite. I think he's very average, but I think Dak has shown an ability to not get swallowed up by the stage. So that's where, I, as of right now, I have to take Dak over Hurts. I can't take Hurts over Dak right now, today. Even after that, obviously fair. they're probably going to have a buy in the divisional game, but I'd have to see Hurts for at least a game or two in the playoffs. Where even if he has that shaky game and they kind of squeeze through that first week, the Eagles are so well insulated in such a good team that I think Hurts could be average and they could win. Yeah, I think so too. I think if you switch Hurts and Dak, the Eagles don't skip a beat. And I think Dallas, uh, if anything, is better. I don't think so. You can't have that run game without Jalen Hurts rushing the Yeah, ability. I guess you're not He's the best running that. quarterback in the league right now. I don't no, even think it's not. close. I think he's not. Compared to who, Lamar? Just, uh, Justin Fields. Fields, all day. Not yeah, but Fields, Fields, uh, is, a borderline Fields is on running a back. shitty team. I'm just saying, Fields he's is a borderline a running team. back. If you got to pick one guy to run, it's going to be Fields. No, I'm going Hurts. No, it's not Because he can do both. He can do both, but just generally, you said the best running quarterback. The best I running think it's quarterback. It's different when you're fields. on a bad team, though. I don't disagree. I'm just saying the best running you can quarterback. Win has games and run, then you're a good running quarterback. Yeah, that's a stretch you can just for sure. Pad your stats, then you're you're good. Some people would argue breaking sixty yard rushes isn't easy, and we haven't really seen Hurts do that. To no. the extent that Fields does it. But if I need someone at the goal line, I'm going Hurts over Justin Fields. That makes sense, but there's a couple quarterbacks that you can argue at that point. Like even quarterbacks like Dak have shown a good ability from that range. You know what I mean? That's that Cam Newton style where they can get those two yards. I, I mean, the bigger like, the body, the better at that. Yes, point. that helps. No, like I said, the last thing I want to turn this into is me bashing Hurts. I think Hurts is a beast. I'm just saying I need to see it in the playoffs to For be comfortable sure. with what Hurts is offering. I mean, especially if you've never seen it before, how can you say like exactly? Yeah, and we've amazing. seen Lamar do it, where he's an amazing athlete, great overall quarterback running back whatever you want to call him he does it all in the regular season yeah and as soon as the playoffs come out we ask who's this guy like, right so lamar has shown that in the playoffs when you need to make big passes he can't and i would not be surprised if we discovered the same thing from hurts this year but i also would not be surprised if the eagles are in the super bowl yeah so let's see what the eagles actually come in with right because they have a wide receiver core they have running backs they have a good old line maybe the best in the league they have a really good defense so they've, they've shown it on all fronts so as long as Hurts isn't the reason they're losing, I think they will be winning. I think it all comes down to him as long as they stay healthy. And go For sure. The playoffs. They're only going to go as far as he takes them. I agree. Despite the great defense, the great run game, great receivers. I, I guess I, I'm not totally saying that. I think they will go far as long as he doesn't ruin it. I'm more in that extent where I, I need to see he needs to not screw it up. I yeah. think as long as he's average, they will be fine. Because I need to see what he's going to offer when the playoffs roll around. But like I said, that I, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you in a couple of weeks if Dak, if oh, Dak, sorry, if Jalen Hurts is lighting it up, then I'm totally wrong, and Jalen Hurts is a beast. No, I get where you're coming from. We can only go off what we've seen before, and we've exactly. never yeah, seen him exactly. before here. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it's all up in the air. So anything else, Week 14 wise, before we close? Uh, I think that was the hottest points that we already brushed on. Uh, nothing that's popping in my head. Don't disagree. I'm trying to think of something else. How about for tonight? How you feel about this dumpster fire of a game? Cards yeah. and pads. I want to know who scheduled that. That's horrible. Oh, man. Did you see next day? I think it's Christmas. Oh, let me tell you the Christmas day slate. You're going to die of laughter. It's horrible, isn't it? Oh, my God. I, obviously, they didn't know how bad some of these teams were going to be. So, Christmas kicks off at 1 o'clock. Packers visiting the Dolphins. Packers visiting? Okay. I guess that's... Not the that game's worst. absolutely horrible. It is, but then to follow that up, we have this beast of a game: the Broncos visiting the Rams. Two of the worst teams in the NFL. 
That is very bad, actually. And then Two of the to worst close, offenses, too. Yeah, to close the Sunday night slate, we got the Buccaneers visiting the Cardinals. Oh, God, that is really bad. So I'm ready to not watch a single minute of football on Christmas Day. Yeah, I don't think And on top should. of that, that's two weeks from now. So that is the freaking finals. Yep. So that's the championship for most teams. And that's who you're going to have to watch. Very, very minimal players yeah, that exactly. you would even want to start on exactly. any of those teams. So just overall ugly, but that is what it is. NFL will God, get better at scheduling, hopefully. The one cool thing is I guess they got Saturday games rolling in now. And some people like it, some people hate it, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So uh, other than that, we're going to close there. Um, Jameson Williams. That's all I have left to say. And on that note. To end it on. Exactly. Keep tuning in, guys. This is the Instant Offense Podcast.